Welcome to the Our Ability Podcast. 2024. 2024, we're talking with industry leaders and experts uh, and some of the, the listeners out there about disability, entrepreneurship, opportunity, accessibility, and employment. Uh, this is our fourth installment of the podcast, and we're excited to bring it to you. My name is John Robinson. I, I'm your host. Uh, today's episode is going to be a little bit of, uh, of everything, uh, a look back at January and what we've done to date, and talking about some things that are, are top of mind today. And I've got a little bit of a laugh because of um, in what I'm reading in, in the media. I'm calling this yesterday, today, and tomorrow, um, or new now, next, or whatever sort of news blurb you want to use. Uh, as a lot of you know, I come out of the media business, so I think about media all the time. And um, this is a, a, a good introduction to where we are today. Um, I want to talk about, in the yesterday segment, I want to talk about budget cuts. New York State, it's bu- budget season. Uh, here we go. Um, it happens every year. And so we're between let's call it February 1st and April 1st, we're going to negotiate a budget and try to get uh, equitable funding. Uh, in the middle section, we're going to talk about accessibility and how that's important here in New York State and what we're doing, specifically digital accessibility. Uh, we're going to touch on that a little bit. And then we're going to spend more time on on tomorrow, which is uh, something that's making me laugh right now, which is uh, the death of diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, and Taylor Swift, which is, which is really funny. But we're going to we're going to talk about this all sort of collectively. Um, just to remind you, this is the, the fourth episode of the Our Ability podcast in 2024. We talked about uh, DE and I in the first section and how um, you know we're torn into pieces and sort of intentionally for financial purposes, uh, mainstream media. There, there's no doubt in my mind anyway that a lot of the R versus D, conservative, liberal, uh, left, right, whatever you call it, is an intentional argument so that we lose focus on the powers that be uh, that are making more money, right? And so that's that's what's really important. Um, you know, there is 1% of the world that makes a lot of money, and then there's 99% of us that are fighting over breadcrumbs, as Bono might say. And so uh, why it, why is this happening? Because they can and so when you watch Fox, you watch MSNBC or CNBC or CNN or whatever it is, and you feel like you're seeing one side and you get all worked up, the reality is it's done intentionally. It's done intentionally so that um, you know we lose focus on what we really should be fighting for, which is equity, uh, which is the E in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so um, we talked about that in our first episode. Our second episode, we, we talked to... One of my heroes, which is Caroline Casey of the Valuable 500. So I urge you to listen to that if you have not listened to that. In the third episode, we talked to Mei-Ling Chang. Uh, Mei-Ling is another entrepreneur expert in the disability space, and we've had good conversations with both Caroline and and, uh, Mei-Ling. And so I urge you to to listen to those. Um, After the first episode, I got a text from a friend of mine who listened to it, so thank you. When I was discussing the the intentional intentionalization of building an argument between right and left, uh, it's something that he has pointed out to people around him as well, and, and I really truly believe it. And I've been watching it ever since, and so we'll talk about it in in our DE and I section. But I thank you for those of you that did respond. I have more responses from the first episode of this year 
than any other episode we've done. And that's included Judy Human. Uh, that's included the head of uh, disability and nationally um, talking about how we are arguing with each other. And it's an intentional act to create more profit for certain parties. Uh, we all should be aware of that, especially in an election year. It is an election year and it's a budget cut season here in New York state. And I want to bring this up to those of you that are in New York state. And that's, that's this, um, budget cuts are, are going on right now. Uh, the discussion of budget cuts and specifically cuts in Medicaid funding coming up and a proposed $228 million cut in Medicaid funding and why this matters to our community of people with disabilities. And, um, you're, you're, You've seen it over the past few years. While this New York State has gotten a lot better around disability, disability employment, disability conversation, disability welcoming, and we really have, and a shout out to Governor Hochul to to building the chief disability office and and having conversations. But the cut in Medicaid funding that's proposed is going to have a direct impact on direct care services. And if you've been anywhere in this state in the last three years. You know that uh, funding of direct care employees and support staff uh, has been an ongoing battle. And if you're disabled and you rely on a uh, staff to get you up, get you dressed, uh, take you to the bathroom, get you ready for work, get you back from work, and, and all of that in reverse, if you can't find people to help you, you know how, how can we expect people to get up and go out to work? How can we expect people to be productive in society? How can we pers- expect people to have a, a, a healthy uh, mental health outlook. And so I realize that this may be a tough budget season, but it seems to me as we're building employment in the state, and we are, as we're building outcomes for people with disabilities, and we are, it seems to me support for um, direct care workers really should be important. And cutting $228 million for Medicaid is going to have a direct impact on support services. So uh, that's not to tell you how to necessarily believe or think or vote or any of that, but be aware. I want you to be aware of what's going on and, and read about it. Open up your minds to it. Uh, take, a, take a gander at the arguments for funding direct support staff. Uh, read arguments for c- the cuts in $228 million of Medicaid. I mean, read both sides of it, please, because you need, we all need to be educated as we vote and as we urge our assembly persons and senators in New York State to, to do the right thing and whatever we feel is the right thing. So, so please do that. Um, also going on today in New York State is something that we're getting a lot of uh, feedback on, and that is digital accessibility, PDF document accessibility, website accessibility. It's a really good thing. We've talked about before in this avenue and on our website about Section 508 of the Rehabilitation Act in 1973, which assures assures us of accessibility, and that includes digital accessibility. Um, In this world today, in 2024, it doesn't just mean curb cuts and elevators. Now it means websites, mobile applications, uh, and a speci- specifically in this instance, PDF documents or documents that are uh, external facing and internal facing for ex- existing employees um, that are brought to you by state agencies, the state government, uh, 
Anybody with a state contract, federal contract, anybody that receives a piece of federal dollars need to be compliant with Section 508. And in New York State, there's a New York State policy, NYS P08-005, which establishes a minimum accessibility requirements for web-based information and applications developed, procured, maintained, and used by state entities. Take take a look at this P08-005 in New York State policy because it becomes really important. This is why our phone is ringing. Um, if you're a state agency and you are sending out a PDF document building a web page, even if you think it's small, one document, it needs to be accessible for people with disabilities. It needs to be accessible for all. And so we at Our Ability and other partners have built accessibility pathways for state agencies, state businesses, state contractors, etc., to make sure that your documents and your web pages are accessible. Uh, why have we done this? Well, very specifically because we are two people with disabilities. Uh, obviously, I'm a quad amputee, uh, so I can navigate a computer and navigate apps mostly as they are, documents mostly as they are. But Kartik Sani, who's our chief technology officer, one day he and I were talking and I asked him what bothered him out there, and he said to me, uh, documents and websites and mobile apps that are not accessible. Kartik uses a screen reader to navigate the world. And so we started building an artificial intelligence tool that helps documents become accessible, helps web pages become accessible. Well, then New York State comes out with this policy, and now state agencies need to make sure their documents are accessible. So there's a confluence right now between what we've built and what's going on in New York State. And it's really important because if you do not have opportunity uh, – in, in inequality, you can't add people with disabilities to the workforce. You can't ask people with disabilities to pay their taxes. You can't ask people with disabilities to navigate the DEC website or whatever it is, right? And so if you want inclusion for all, it means your digital footprint needs to be inclusive as well. And so we're, we're seeing this. So we applaud New York State. While we may wonder about the Medicaid cuts, and you can read about that on both sides, in this case, I'll say we applaud uh, this policy that establishes minimum accessibility requirements because it is that important. Now, is there a cost to state agencies, state schools, uh, state contractors? Yeah, but there should be. You know what? You should be accessible in your documentation, your applications, and your websites. And so build it right the first way. Uh, and if you don't, then there are organizations like us out there that can help you. And so we we urge you to to take a look at that. Um and contact us if you'd like to find out more information about Section 508 or document accessibility or that navigation. So if yesterday is budget season and if today is uh, digital and PDF document accessibility, boy, tomorrow is going to be interesting. Uh, and tomorrow is the war on diversity, equity, and inclusion. I kind of left that last to see if you hung with me for 11 minutes and 34 seconds. Um, today, I ran across a... a a threads message. Uh, yeah, we're using threads because it got a little sick of uh, Elon Musk. But it was a threads message about something that I guess there's an OAN anchor named Allison Steinberg. Don't know if I'm pronouncing the name right, but I hope I am. Uh, Allison Steinberg went uh, <laughs> pontificated on Taylor Swift and how 
Joe Biden must love the fact that Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey so that they can indoctrinate children. Uh, and I had to click on it. Listen, it's clickbait. I get it. I did it. I clicked on it. And then I started listening to the article or the, the report, and I, I read up about it. And so this truly is, is what Allison said, and it's, quote, getting kids plugged into the cycle of going uh, into the cycle of going to public indoctrination camps, which are, those are my words, which are, playing sports for their schools and going to games. Many end up devoting their entire childhood to competing in various sports only to be cut from the team, at which point they become brainwashed into supporting professional teams because they know their dreams of becoming a pro athlete will probably never happen. And then she goes on to say that this indoctrination is paid for by the George Soros's of the world. So somehow playing youth hockey has made, or being interested in youth hockey has made me vote Democrat and a product of George Soros. Or if you listen to Taylor Swift and you enjoy the fact that she's found a boyfriend who happens to be an NFL player or you like the NFL football games, somehow this is a psychological operation by a deep state government to get you to vote liberal. I, I just, I can't see it. I laughed out loud when I read it and I kept reading and it made me think, what are we doing? Why, why are we going off in this direction? And this gets back to the point three weeks ago in, in the first podcast about diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think what's troubling to me is there is a propensity of hurting diversity, equity, inclusion, especially in media. And I, I can't get my head around it. Uh, 10 days ago, was asked to sit on a DE&I panel as the person with a disability for the Capital Region Chamber of Commerce and uh, very pleased to, pleased to do that, support the Chamber of Commerce. And I was there and I happened to be walking in there thinking about something I read in one of the business journals the day before. And the business journal was talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion back, backlash. Is DE&I dead in the corporate universe? And then in the, that's the headline. And then in the body of the article, it actually quoted uh, Littler Mendelssohn, a research firm, saying 58% of organizations have expanded their DE&I commitments in the past year. The headline's talking about DE&I's dead. Read in the body, Companies have embraced DEI. And, <laughs> and yet 59% are saying that they've got a reported backlash against DEI programs. So why is this happening? Why is the headline telling me it's dead? The research firm saying businesses are growing DEI, and yet there's more backlash. Well, that next day on CNBC, who happened to be reporting from Switzerland at Davos where all the financial and political world leaders are, there's Jamie Dimon talking about thinking about supporting a Republican president. And yet, Jamie Dimon and, and J.P. Morgan are doing more for diversity, equity, inclusion, according to them. And then in the next report, is DE&I dead from Davos? Is diversity, equity, inclusion dead? Why is this happening? It's happening because CNBC, Fox Business are owned by corporations that want more profits. And they need a bad guy. 
and you can't they can't come out right out and say they're willing to accept a presidential candidate that's a racist so that they can get more profits but what they can do is create this argument over DEI so we don't look behind the curtain so to speak Washington Post Washington Post owned by a quote liberal and yet you see stories about DEI being dead from entities owned by that same person it's the argument they want us to have we're the little puppy who's chewing the shoe and the red ball gets thrown the red ball in this case is DEI and you should be mad at it instead of focusing on what's really going on really annoying but it's happening more and more and all this is is a wedge issue getting us to argue with each other and not think about the profits that are going on rather than the opportunities that equity creates if we truly are equitable with one another we have a better chance of being successful our economy is based on that as a capitalist society we're based on opportunity and opportunity expands when there's equity in the opportunity something you can't forget if we do not do that if we diminish equity then we diminish opportunity if we diminish opportunity more funds go to the few and not the many and we lose our capitalist society and if the world doesn't have the number one economy as a capitalist society the world will show regression that's a big deal and the way that we can increase equity is by including in our instance people with disabilities to the workforce so this is what's been going on then then this morning when i'm thinking about this taylor swift and how taylor taylor swift is a psyop for the government to get us to think liberally then there's maria bartiromo talking on fox business news about the awful drone strike in jordan killing three service members and injuring others and talking about why it happened and maria immediately saying quote well maybe they're focused too much on dei what what maybe they're focused too much on dei she says there's a concern at the fbi because they're dropping the fbi special agent requirements in the name of dei wait a minute it wasn't the fbi that was killed in jordan but okay i'm just she goes on to say i'm just wondering if that has anything to do with missing an important drone that just killed three of our heroes huh it's literally she has a post-it note on her desk somewhere saying don't forget to bash dei as the excuse for all evil we've got to think folks we've got to think we've got to pay attention to what's going on at home we've got to pay attention to what's going on regionally and abroad but here's what i see as going on there are very real budget issues coming up the governor may have to cut medicaid i hope not because it's going to hurt people with disabilities first but it may happen the government does need to create accessibility but everybody should create an accessible world it's the law <laughs> flat out the law 
But you know what gets us away from focusing on the law and all the laws of the land? Are manufactured arguments and bitter little battles. And now mainstream media and major corporations are putting DE&I out there as the red ball so we stop looking at the big picture. And the big picture is the money sits with the very few. Steve Forbes said it in the 80s or 90s that there should be a flat tax. Everybody that works should pay the same percentage. Boy, wouldn't that be an uproar right now and you never hear that anymore. Pay attention, please. Pay attention. That's what this podcast is about. In the next coming weeks, we're going to be talking with our friends at Pfizer and our friends at Walmart about diversity, equity, inclusion, and opportunity for people with disabilities, and we're excited about that. I had a great conversation that we recorded and will release pretty soon with Neil Milliken, an accessibility expert in Europe, and we've got more great guests to follow. If you'd like to send us a note, please do. The email is info at ourability.com, and you can always post a note in any social media platform that this podcast is posted. Thank you for letting me rant, and we will, we will speak soon.